Just a disclaimer before this episode begins, we originally filmed this episode on Wednesday night, but decided to do it on Friday morning to get you guys all the news, and we also had some files mess up. So I really hope you guys enjoy this episode, and please stay until the end to see a little funny exchange between me and my very special guest. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Rookie Ball, but not just another episode. It's a very special episode. It's the Super Bowl <laughs> Special! Welcome, everybody, to the Super Bowl Special of Rookie Ball, a podcast where you want to go if you need to know anything sports or if you just want to hear my opinion. Now, ladies and gentlemen, for this very special episode of Rookie Ball, we have a very special guest. Introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. My name is Jacob. I'm a longtime listener, first-time caller. All right, so we brought on Jacob today because we're going to be talking a lot of things sports, but we're going to be talking about one category that's not sports, but it's competitive, so I feel like we need to dive into it a little bit. Before we get into that, though, the big surprise of the episode, we got a lot of news to cover. The first one being, if you don't pay attention to the MLB, uh, they're in a lockdown right now. The players are negotiating with the owners and the commission, basically trying to decide if this season is going to happen or not because some needs are not being met, etc., etc. The commissioner came out to speak to the public on Thursday, supposedly assumed to either resign or cancel the MLB season. Most people thought he's not going to cancel the season, so he most likely will resign. He then came out on Thursday and said that he plans for the season to happen and he is staying the commissioner. So we all got faked out. And if you don't follow the MLB, fans were very upset. Fans were not happy. Fans do not like the commissioner. And yeah. I'm just pretty upset about it because the news was pretty certain that he was going to resign and he just didn't. Wow. <laughs> I mean, but, but what does that mean? Uh, that basically means that... So we're, are none of the, the needs or demands met? It's just going on without changing uh, the anything? The lockout is still happening right now, so that means that the demands have not been met. But the commissioner basically came out and said, based off the progression so far that it would be a shock if the season didn't start on time, which starts in like a month and a half. So they are really going to need to get it going if they plan to start on April 1st. So should be interesting. I don't know. I'll keep an eye out. So I just wanted to go on a little side segment about that. I thought it was some interesting news, thought I could share my opinions on it. Now to the reason why we have Jacob on here today. Now, although he did not tell you, Jacob does not watch sports. This is a non-sports goer. What is your interest? What is your go-to thing, Jacob? The thing that I follow most every every year around the fall to winter season are the Academy Awards. The Oscars, as we call them. Uh, So they have just come out, and I get it. They're not sports, so if you want to click off this episode because you're so angry, go ahead, get off. But a lot of sports fans are betting people nowadays. 
So when we recorded this episode on Wednesday, we were kind of sloppy with going in and between all the categories. So I want to try something different when we're recording today. I want to kind of just go category by category, talk about who you got winning, not who you want to win, who you got winning. And I just want a one sentence reason why they're winning that category. And we're just going to go through everything. So everyone gets a little spotlight here. Shit. Okay. Yeah. And I'll talk about it, too. And at the end, we'll do what we did on Wednesday, where we'll give our movie that should have been in and our favorite movie of the year. All right. So we're going to start off with the big dogs. We're going to start off at the top. We're going to start off with Best Picture. Now, if anybody is not an Oscar watcher, Best Picture just means Best Movie of the Year. Very simple. We have our nominees, Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, and Power of the Dog. Who you got? Power of the Dog. Absolutely. It has the most nominations. Um, It's a movie that people can wake up the next morning feeling good about it winning. And it's good. It's a good movie. I haven't seen all the movies on this list, so I'm not going to give out my prediction. or I'm just going to go with what you say because you have a... You have a lot of intent on the power of the dog winning. If we see a spoiler, it's definitely going to be Belfast, though. Gotcha. All right. Actor in a leading role. We're both pretty certain on this one. We have Javier Bardem, Benedict Cumberbatch, Andrew Garfield, Will Smith, and Denzel Washington. It's Will Smith's to lose. It's absolutely Will Smith. People want to see him win. He's been in Hollywood a long time. He'll have a great speech. He's very charismatic. And yeah, Will Smith should have an Oscar at this point. Yeah. And I will say in my sentence, it's for my sports goers out there, it's kind of those games where you just kind of have a feeling that something's going to happen. You know, everyone wants him to win this. Uh, He wants to win this. The Academy wants him to win this, et cetera, et cetera. Actor in a supporting role, uh, if you want to go ahead and pronounce the names here. (laughs) We have Troy Kotzer for Coda, Jesse Plemons in The Power of the Dog, J.K. Simmons in Being the Ricardos, and Cody Smith-McPhee in The Power of the Dog. Who you got? This one's a tough one. I'll say Cody Smith McPhee. He's won a few precursors, and he's liked by critics. Um, it's a tough category, but I'd also say maybe Troy Kotzer because people like him, and he also has made a big show of being really, really excited about his nominations. Fair enough. All right, moving on to the other side of the acting, the actress in a leading role. We have Jessica Chastain in The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart in Spencer. Go ahead. We know where you're going with this one. All right. This category is definitely the hardest to predict. It's definitely a bad, betters category. Uh, it's anyone's chance at this point, but I personally have to go with Kristen Stewart. Uh, she's a critical darling right now. Uh, people want to see her win. She's the only one who's never been nominated before, and it would just be a really great redemption story for the people who doubted her since Twilight. I have never seen any of her films, but I would be very excited for her to win. Moving on to actress in a supporting role, we have Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy Dench in Belfast, Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, and an ingenue Ellis in King Richard. All right, it's another one that's pretty easy. It's Ariana DeBose's To Lose. It's a role that already won an Academy Award. Ariana DeBose is great. She's been on, she was on SNL. Um, she's been out there on the campaign trail to try and win this Oscar. And again, people just like her. She's, she's charismatic and 
it would be nice to see her win. So, moving on to a category where I feel like it's missing a little piece. We have animated feature film. We have Encanto, of course, a worldwide known movie. Flea, Luca, which came out early this year. The Mitchells vs. Machines, which I just watched last night, actually. Uh, and Raya and the Last Dragon. All right, real quick. What do you think of Mitchells vs. the Machines? The, it's my favorite movie on this list. Yes, people love it. Critics have been fighting for this to do well. Uh, just casual critics, you know, like it's yeah. it's not high high art, but it's fun. It's cool. And yeah, Mitchells vs. Machines would be an awesome win. Yeah, I think the only thing kind of stopping it is it came out just way too early this year, and Kanto kind of has all the drive and all the all the trending pages right now. So it's if you're a betting man, bet Encanto. I would I would think. Yep, Encanto's the winner here. It got nominated for score as well and song. Uh, it's a phenomenon. Uh, and Mitchell's versus. Uh, and Mitchell's versus the Machines came out in like February or January. I think it was April of last year. No way. While he researches that up, I'll also talk about my, as I said, missing piece in this category. I actually enjoyed all the films that I saw on this list, but I'm a sucker for Sing too. I know it's a it's a movie where it's kind of just getting the radio hits and everything. It's very catchy, but I actually really enjoyed it. And the fact that Sing One was nominated for Best Anime Feature when it first came out. I thought Sing 2 was better than Sing 1, slightly, very slightly, and I felt like this year was a little bit of a weaker category than that year in animated features. Um, Sing 1 was not nominated. It was not. It was not nominated at the Oscars, and you're right, Mitchell's Rose Machines came out in April. I only thought that it came out in January because it came out right after the Oscars last year, and I was like, already we're in a new season. So the last big category I want to get into, outside of screenplays, obviously, is the director. One of the biggest ones, probably the, I think it's the second to last award announced on the night. So we have films that are also nominated for Best Picture here. We have Belfast, Drive My Car, Licorice Pizza, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. And go ahead and pick and obviously give the spotlight to the director's name. Um, absolutely, Jane Campion is winning this award. People wanted to see her win it for the piano so many odd years ago, and it'll be two female directors in a row winning uh, best pick, uh, winning best director. Um, people love Jane Campion. She's this category is probably the easiest to predict. Uh, she totally deserves it as well. Sounds fair to me. <laughs> All right, so the final two categories we're gonna get into before we talk about our favorite films of the year and ones that didn't make the list. We have the screenplays, the adapted and the original. So in the adapted category, we have Coda, Drive My Car, Dune, The Lost Daughter, and The Power of the Dog. Now, you predicted Power of the Dog as the best film of the year. Does that make it a favorite for best adapted screenplay? Absolutely, it does. Um, it's been a front runner this whole season. Even if it wasn't nominated for picture, director, people have been expecting it to be nominated for adapted screenplay. And to win that category, again, it's Jane Campion. People love her. She won... Uh, best adapted screenplay for the piano and yeah it's a really it's a really great screenplay it's a really great adaptation um if anything's gonna upset it'll probably be drive my car just so drive my car can get a win besides international in there because people like that one too so the final category we have original screenplay that will come down to belfast don't look up king richard licorice pizza the worst person in the world now earlier you said the belfast would be the the big 
second place for best picture. So does that make it a favorite original screenplay or is this going to be someone else? Yep. It's definitely going to be Kenneth Branagh's screenplay uh, for Belfast. Uh, if this is still a competitive category, Belfast didn't do as well as it was expected to. Um, and Licorice Pizza has a lot of love. Paul Thomas Anderson has been nominated for 11 Academy Awards at this point and hasn't won. And it would be a great uh, opportunity to give him a win. But- you heard it here first from the expert, ladies and gentlemen. If you're going out to bet and you look at those categories, you know who you're going with. For the rest of them, look up but online. They probably know who the winner is going to be anyways. So the final two things I want to get into for the Oscars, because I want to keep you here to talk about your expertise and have you talk and be the commander here. Let's talk about our favorite films of the year. Now, obviously, you've seen more films than me, so I can't talk about a film such as Power of the Dog, which you loved very much. What was your film of the year? Spencer. I loved Spencer. I loved Kristen Stewart. It was beautiful. It shot beautifully. Um, there's so many iconic moments. I related to it uh, a lot. It's not exactly, I think, a one-for-one biopic of Princess Diana's life. And I think if you go into it expecting that, that's not what you're going to get. Um, but it's kind of just a horror movie about what it's like to spend three days with your family around Christmas. So if you relate to that... Hey, I've lived that horror movie before. Well, my film of the year is not the film that I think was the best, the best directed, the best acted, but it was the film that I had the most fun watching this year. And I talked about it earlier on Wednesday. I really enjoyed watching House of Gucci. I don't think I had the best performances in the world. The cinematography and the editing were off at points. I agree. But... Just, I don't know. It was entertaining to watch. The characters were fun. Every time Jared Leto was on the screen, I was laughing. Adam Driver at his moments. Lady Gaga, I think, was one of the exceptional performances in this movie, and there were many. I thought the costuming was amazing. I thought the makeup was exceptional. It, it had elements to it where it's not on the level of other Oscar-nominated films, but... It truly just tried to do this new type of cinema in a way where it was like, we want to have more fun making this film than trying to get an Oscar nomination. As goofy as that movie is, it was the most fun I had in a theater in 2021. So, See, I know my stuff, people. Now, the final thing I want to get into is whether it's a person, whether it's uh, a side category or a film uh, in whole, what film or what nomination is missing here? Where where there should be someone that's not? Titan. It was the uh, Palme d'Or winner this year. Uh, it was a French submission for Best International Feature. Um, I'd say probably if it could have gotten in one category, it could have gotten in director, maybe. Uh, it wasn't on the short list for Best International Feature, so they shut it out pretty early, um, which is very disappointing. But honestly, that could have been an actress, supporting actor, director, screenplay, picture. It could have swept. It was a fantastic movie. It was technically brilliant. Critics loved it. Audiences weirdly loved it. Um, It's a very, very bizarre movie that I recommend everyone watch. I did watch it as well. And 
I promise you, if you go and read the synopsis of it right now, I promise the film is so much better than how it's described. I don't know how a uh, transgender stripper who has sex with a car and runs off and becomes a serial killer isn't the most thrilling description of a movie you've ever heard in your life. Now, when we talked about this Wednesday, my film that I said was missing here was House Gucci. I felt like one nomination was not enough for it. I have since then flipped. I have realized a nomination that is not there that I think shouldn't win but should be there. Now, every Marvel fan in the world is probably saying, why isn't No Way Home nominated for Best Picture? Which because they're it doesn't, stupid. Yeah, it doesn't deserve to be nominated for Best Picture. But there is one nomination that it does deserve to be, which it's, it's nominated for visual effects, even though its visual effects were really bad. I can agree with that. There's one performance in here All that right. I really think should be nominated. And that's Willem Dafoe I for the get, Green Goblin. I can get behind that. I truly think he should have been nominated for Best Supporting Actor, let alone that he did his own stunts. He Did he really? He did his own stunts, just like he did in Spider-Man 1. All right, they let him punch him out like that? Well, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's some things that have to go into the actor's hands, et cetera, et cetera. But his performance was just very fun you could kind of feel like he just had two personalities that he was splitting into, like, between the movie. Uh, I don't know, just the facial expressions that he made when he would switch between the good and the evil side of him. I think it gets undershadowed because it's not supposed to be this indie or Hollywood-level Oscar film, so it's not really recognized as this amazing performance. But... I enjoyed it more than some of the acting performance I saw from male actors this year. I can agree with that. Willem Dafoe's great. He's on a career high. Uh, he's been getting Oscar nominations later in his career, probably later than he should have. And yeah, it would be great to see him in here, and especially in a weak category, kind of like supporting actors. Sorry to those actors. Well, <laughs> I feel like we agreed on a lot of stuff here. Obviously, I've not seen the films that you've seen. So I do want to thank you for giving your expertise out here. And I'm so glad for you to be on today's episode. Thank you so much, Jacob. You're quite welcome. I'm so excited to give you my football expertise, of which it is extensive. Yes, and of course, we'll keep Jacob on for the rest of this episode to talk about our final two categories of the day. All right, ladies and gentlemen, so we talked about this earlier in the week on Tuesday's episode, but the NBA trade deadline has officially passed and it was a pretty crazy one. Probably the biggest one we've had in years. A lot of big names being moved to other cities. A lot of super young talent being moved to cities that are starting to rebuild. Now I have most of the trades that I want to talk about that I haven't already on my Twitter page that I have pulled up. If you want to give it a follow, it's at Rookie Ball Podcast. I follow. It's amazing, <laughs> don't you think? Alright, so... Obviously, the big trade of Thursday was between the Philadelphia 76ers and the Brooklyn Nets. Now, for all my non-sports goers out here that are listening for the Oscars today, Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and a first or two first-round picks traded for James Harden, who is one of the best players in the NBA right now. So it's very big to see a top 15, top 
10 NBA player being moved during the trade deadline. And he was indeed moved during the trade deadline. Now, the big storyline behind this is James Harden from the Brooklyn Nets side and Ben Simmons from the Sixers side really did not want to play for their teams. One of their players, Ben Simmons, actually sat out the entire season asking to be traded. Damn, you can do that? Absolutely. You get fined a lot of money. He was fined a total of $19 million this season due to just sitting out. Holy shit. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) So he has now officially been moved and he has now announced that he will be playing for the Brooklyn Nets when he is officially added to the roster. James Harden has played this season, but has kind of done the same thing, saying that he is not going to re-sign with the Brooklyn Nets. He will not play for them past the season if they do not trade him. They did. They get a package in return. In my mind, it's a win-win for both teams. You get your chemistry back because it's players that want to play for your team. You get what you need. The 76ers needed a star player. The Brooklyn Nets needed some depth, some more bench players, and that's absolutely what they got. So, if you're asking me, it's an A and an A grade for both teams in this trade. One team that we saw make a lot of moves, and we talked about the trade uh, on my Twitter page, the Kings, the Sacramento Kings, made a lot of moves during the NBA trade deadline. Now, if you don't know, the Sacramento Kings have been out of the playoffs for years and years and years. I think one of the biggest playoff droughts in the NBA, maybe in sports right now. They are not competitive this year. They're not looking to really make the playoffs so far this season. Then all of a sudden, at the NBA trade deadline, they took all of their young talent, all their young guys that are going to build them for the future, hopefully to make the playoffs in future years, and traded them away. Traded them away for a bunch of players that are really good right now that can't still help them make the playoffs. They are too far out of the standings. They will not make a push for the playoffs. Mark my words. If they do, I'll eat my foot on it. It's just very interesting because they had some great players that'll be good in four to five years and traded them away and said, oh, we're trying to win now when they're not competitive. It's very questionable. I think they were the biggest loser of the NBA trade deadline. Mark that down, folks. Phoenix will have to eat his foot, something that he would hate. I would absolutely hate. So the final team I want to talk about was the teams that didn't make any moves, that we really expected to make some trades, because we talked a lot about some trades on Tuesday that had already happened. I'm talking about the Los Angeles Lakers did not make a single trade, although they are ninth in the Western Conference right now, which gives them a playoff or a play-in game, but they're not officially a playoff team yet. Given that they have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, even though y'all want to hate on him, the Los Angeles Lakers didn't make any moves to improve their team, said they're going to talk about signing free agents. Now, if you know anything about free agents, they're most likely not better than any of the players you already have on your team. So the Lakers, all in all, are idiots. They didn't make any moves. They're not apparently good enough, even though they have two of like the top 10 players in the NBA. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. A team that did make moves that I think didn't need to make moves was the Washington Wizards. The Washington Wizards started off very good this season. 
They kind of were like in the top four of their conference, definitely going to make the playoffs. And then they slipped a lot. They went down to 11th in their conference, most likely not going to make the playoffs. But they had a very good build for the future. We knew that they were possibly going to be good in years to come. Their star player got injured this season. So this season's kind of a wash. They're putting it aside. They then continue to trade half of their roster to other teams in return for picks, for cash, etc., etc. Completely obliterating this team that they have only tried out for half of the season. So if you're asking me, the Washington Wizards made a lot of interesting moves along with the Sacramento Kings. That brings me to my final statement, the winners and losers of the NBA trade deadline. On the winning side, I have the Philadelphia 76ers, the Brooklyn Nets, and the Indiana Pacers for stealing Tyrese Halliburton from the Sacramento Kings. On the losing side, I have the team that was on the other side of that deal, the Sacramento Kings, the Los Angeles Lakers, and a team that we talked about earlier on Tuesday that made a lot of horrible trades, the Portland Trailblazers. The Portland Trailblazers basically traded every single person away, not named Damian Lillard, who is their star player. So now, it has, as it has always been throughout his career, it is Dame with a whole bunch of nobodies playing against NBA-level teams. So, they're going to lose. That's their fault. I feel bad for Damian Lillard. That's all the thoughts I have on the NBA trade deadline for this episode, but if you want to check out my thoughts on all of them, go and check out my Twitter. Jacob, do you have anything else to add? I think you covered everything I wanted to say. Absolutely. I knew I knew we share the same opinions on the NBA trade deadline. Now, ladies and gentlemen, it is time to get into the best sport of today's episode. I'm talking about the NFL. <laughs> So, we have two things to talk about. The Super Bowl is this Sunday. We are two days away. I'm so excited. But before we get into our predictions for that, we had the NFL Honors last night. Just to show you how much we care, we're going to be talking about the NFL Honors, which happened about 12 hours ago. So, starting off on the bottom of the list, uh, the Coach of the Year, which was one of the lower-ranked awards, Mike Rabel from the Tennessee Titans won as I said early on Tuesday, I had predicted Zach Taylor from the Cincinnati Bengals to win, but when I really look back on it, it is a regular season award, and Mike Vrabel led a team without their star player to a number one seed in the AFC, so definitely deserved. Mike Vrabel, respect. Now, a big shocker from last night was Comeback Player of the Year award, and most people will say it wasn't. Most people will say that he was expected to win, but as you can guess, as a Bengals fan, I'm very excited because Joe Burrow won the Comeback Player of the Year award. This man tore his MCL last year halfway through the season. He was not even expected to play in the first game of the regular season. This man has now led a team to the Super Bowl after only winning four games last season. If that ain't a comeback, then I don't know what is. If Joe Burrow is wrong, then I never want to be right. Nice. That was a great comeback, Phoenix. Defensive Rookie of the Year was, as predicted, Micah Parsons was a minus 15,000 favorite to win this award. He absolutely dominated. 
he is going to be a monster for the rest of his career if he continues to play the way he did this season. No even question, no analysis on it. Micah Parsons deserved Defensive Rookie of the Year. Now, Offensive Rookie of the Year went to a man that we all love around the Cincinnati area. That is Jamar Chase. And I talked about on Tuesday, I didn't even think it was close. And it wasn't close. Jamar Chase is Offensive Rookie of the Year, set the single-season record for rookie receiving yards in the Super Bowl era, set many franchise records for the Bengals in a rookie year. This man said at the beginning of the season that he was out to break records, and he did. And not only that, he was a detrimental part to leading the Bengals to the Super Bowl. I can learn big words. That's a big word for Elmo. That's a big word for Elmo. Defensive Player of the Year went as expected. I also predicted T.J. Watt, even though he is from my rivaling team, the Pittsburgh Steelers. He broke the single-season sack record, only playing 14 games this season. This man was an absolute beast. But as I said, if he had not broken the sack record, I don't think he would have won this award. But in the end, he did break the record. So much deserved. The final two awards we have are Offensive Player of the Year and MVP, and it has gone exactly as I predicted. Offensive Player of the Year went to Cooper Cup from the Los Angeles Rams, who will be playing this Sunday against the Bengals. He was consistently dominant. It was coming down to him and Jonathan Taylor, Offensive Player of the Year. And Cooper Cup was just dominant through all 18 weeks to where I think Jonathan Taylor had some stumbles here and there. Cooper Cup... As most awards have been so far this season, no debate, no analysis, Offensive Player of the Year. Now, when I talked about MVP on Tuesday, I said it should be Tom Brady. Tom Brady, a 44-year-old who led the league in passing yards, completions, passing touchdowns, this man was a monster. At the end of the episode, though, I said we are all fully aware in reality that Aaron Rodgers will win this award, even though... Nobody wants him to. Everyone hates Aaron Rodgers, who's not a Packers fan. And Packers fans, you will soon learn to hate him because he's not coming back to your team. Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, fuck Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, he's the villain of the NFL. Nobody likes him. Get out of here. Retire already. This is Belfast winning Best Picture. Yeah, this is like <laughs> if Belfast won Best Picture. Absolutely ridiculous, but... Everyone who was not living in the dream world of the MVP being Cooper Cup or Tom Brady knew that Aaron Rodgers would take home this award for his second in a row MVP. He is now a back-to-back winner. So the final thing we got to get into here, Jacob. Can you guess what the final thing we have to talk about today is? Well, since you've said it many times, I believe it's the Super Bowl. Oh, it's the Super Bowl! It's the Super Bowl! Hope you like that with those headphones out there. Yeah, headphone warning. (laughs) After. Headphone (laughs) warning after we've already done it. But yes, as I've said a million times, it's the Super Bowl. It's a Super Bowl episode. It's the Bengals and the Rams. And ladies and gentlemen, we are going to go through the matchups of each team and talk about our predictions, our score predictions, Whatever you want to talk about in this game, we're going to discuss it. So, getting into the matchups of these two teams, we're going to do a little something different. We're going to go backwards on here. We're going to go from what I think is the least important position all the way to the most important position. 
Starting off with the special teams. We talked about this on Wednesday. It's a very clear cut and dry race. Punting team obviously goes to the Rams. Johnny Hecker is the best punter in the NFL. Kicker goes to the Bengals. Evan McPherson is the second best kicker in the NFL. I'll be modest. Justin Tucker is the best kicker. But those are very clear cut and dry. Moving on to position that has been honestly clear to not be that important, obviously, this season. The offensive line. Because if you're asking me, the Cincinnati Bengals have the worst offensive line in the NFL. But guess what game they're in this Sunday? The Super Bowl. So does it really matter? Who knows? But they're in the Super Bowl, and the offensive line is going to go to the Rams. But does it even matter when you have Joe Shiesty at quarterback? Does it even matter? Because he's a beast. Moving on to the next position, I have the tight end. Now, I'm only putting this lower because I think both teams just have a very average tight end. And we talked about this on Wednesday. I'm going to give the slight edge to the Bengals. Both players, the tight ends, Tyler Higby and CJ Uzama, are slightly injured. When they're not injured, I think they're even equal. The only difference it makes for me is CJ Uzama is the vocal guy in the locker room. He's the guy that's always hyping everyone up. He's the guy at the middle of the circle talking to all the other players. And I think that's very important to a team to have a guy that's really locked down and able to speak to his teammates. Getting into the defense. The defense is between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Los Angeles Rams. Whenever we've gone into this position, we have talked about the Rams just have too much blockbuster talent. They have these guys that they paid to play well for them. They have Aaron Donald, who's the best defensive player, maybe the best player in the NFL. Von Miller, who has been a sack monster so far this postseason. And Jalen Ramsey, who is by far the best cornerback in the NFL. That being said, the Bengals' defense has been very underrated this postseason. They did not do super well during the regular season, but this postseason they've really come out to shine. With all that being said, and all my love for everybody on the Bengals' defense, Trey Hendrickson, Logan Wilson, Eli Apple, etc., etc., I'm going to stick with what the narrative has been for the Los Angeles Rams throughout this postseason. They have the most blockbuster defense in the NFL. They have the most talented defense in the NFL. They have guys where they're when they're at the peak of their play, they're the best player at their position. So defense goes to the Rams. Moving on to the most important three positions of the NFL. Can you guess, in my opinion, what those positions are? Quarterback. Absolutely. Running back. There we go. Uh, wide receiver. The wide receiver, the running back, and the quarterback. Now, I'm going to start with the running back first because I feel like that's where it's the most decided already. The Rams have two very good running backs. They have Cam Akers and Sonny Michelle, to whereas the Bengals have an elite running back, a top five at his position, Joe Mixon. So if you're truly asking me, even though there's a one-two punch on the Rams side, Joe Mixon's talent just kind of overpowers them. That's why I'm going to give the edge on the running back to the Bengals. Moving on to wide receivers. Now, from what I've seen with analysis so far and writers for multiple reliable source pages, they have this as a very close race. They think that Cooper Cup is just so talented that he outperforms the entire Bengals wide receiving core. Now, Jacob, football is a what sport? Team. It's a team sport. And it comes down to the entirety of the roster. One player is not going to lead you to a win, no matter how much it looks like they are. 
That is why I'm picking the Bengals wide receiving core to outperform the Rams receiving core. It doesn't matter if Cooper Cup has the most yards in this game. It really comes down to who can work as a team and the chemistry and the talent on the Bengals side as a as a collective is just so much better than the Rams side. So I'm going to go against what NFL.com has said and give the edge to the Bengals there. Now the final position, the man, the myth, the legend is there. Joe Burrow running quarterback for the Bengals. He goes by many names such as and Joe Shiesty and Joey Franchise. That's because he is leading this franchise to something they have never seen before and that is a championship. Now, all the respect to Matthew Stafford. I love Matthew Stafford. If it wasn't the Bengals in the Super Bowl right now, I'd be rooting for him to win a ring here because he has much deserved it. That being said, if we're talking about who has performed the best during the entirety of the season, regular season, postseason, it has been Joe Burrow. The man is the comeback player of the year. He has gone from suffering one of the worst injuries in sports to leading a team to the Super Bowl. And without doing any disrespect to Matthew Stafford, I think this one is dominantly going to Joe Burrow, even though Matthew Stafford is a great quarterback. So, where does that leave us with the matchup score? That leaves us with a 5-3 to three score leaning towards the Bengals. Given that I get all my sports news from you, sounds like the Bengals are going to run away with it. Run away with it? Are you projecting a blowout right now? Absolutely not. Well, we're about to hear what his prediction is, because ladies and gentlemen, it is time to get into the score predictions. Now, I would like you to go first here. Who is winning this game, and by how much? What is the score? After some research, and honestly how you've talked about the Rams players this episode, I've been surprised to learn that they're expected to win... The Rams are favorited to win this game. Um, and it seems like they're a really great team. Um, Although so, I, I will let you know the Bengals outside of one game have been the underdogs for every game this season in the postseason. Well, admittedly, I want the Bengals to win. I'm shaking in my little boots, as I'm sure you are. But you know what? I'm riding the high of Kristen Stewart getting nominated uh, so I'm going to root for underdogs. I'm going to say the Bengals are going to win. Uh, earlier I predicted something crazy, like 30-25. I'm going to lower that. I'm going to say 25-21. But I want it to be an exciting game. This is my first, the first football game I'll watch from beginning to end, and I don't want it to be boring. I think that's what we all hope, is even if you're a fan of the other team, you should be hoping for an exciting game. Because without that, the energy is lost. We kind of saw with the Bengals and Chiefs game, when the Chiefs went up 21-3, to just the energy was lost uh, from both sides of it being a good game. Obviously, it turned out in another direction. But yeah, I think we all agree that we want a good game here. That being said, let's get into my prediction here. Now, we know who I'm picking. But for all those longtime listeners out there, I'm going to give you one last... Because when we talked on Wednesday, I talked about how this can't really be an upset because it's a four seed versus a four seed. But then I really looked at it and I said, you know what? The Bengals are favored to lose this game. That being said, they are the underdogs. And that is why for the final week of the NFL, I am giving myself an upset of the week 
and picking the Cincinnati Bengals. And you know what? I'm even so certain that they're also my lock of the week. Even though this is the only game being played. The Cincinnati Bengals are my upset of the week and lock of the week. A first time here at Rookie Ball for a team to be the lock of the week and upset of the week. And that is why, ladies and gentlemen, the NFL season will not start again until August and September. So this is the final week talking about the NFL here, outside of talking about the result on Tuesday. So I want to thank everybody that has came in and listened to me talk about the NFL for the past four to five weeks. And I really hope you guys are excited because after Tuesday's episode, which will be the Bengals recap of the season, we'll be having friends, family, guests on all over the place. Joe Burrow will be here. Joe Burrow will be here. Uh, I, we will bring a Bengal tiger onto the episode. That is why Tuesday is the season finale of Rookie Ball. Season one will be completed on Tuesday, and we will be moving into a new era of Rookie Ball. We'll be exploring every sport. Whichever sport you want to talk about, we'll be talking about. So I really hope you guys have enjoyed the Super Bowl special. And I hope you guys have an amazing Super Bowl weekend. And one last time, can I get a who day? Who day? Who day? I will see you guys on Tuesday. I will catch you guys on the flippity flip. Get out of here. All right, folks, this is where I get to riff for a little bit. Um, I don't know anything about the Super Bowl. I've never even watched a Super Bowl all the way through. Um, I've watched the halftime shows the morning after. But lately, the halftime shows have sucked. I don't know if I don't know if that's a general consensus, but I don't think I've like a halftime so show since like J Lo. There hasn't been a good one since Lady Gaga. Yeah, no, Lady Gaga's was great, but after just bullshit. Justin yeah. Timberlake's was horrible. The one with the Adam Levine. The weekend was boring. The one with Adam. Oh, the weekend was okay. Yeah. It was okay. Well, they keep throwing like five artists in there. Mm. I think just pick one. Because they keep trying to be like the Bruno Mars year with Coldplay and J-Lo. And... Yeah. Well, actually, was it Bruno Mars year, the Beyonce one? That was good. That was cool. But the headliner was Coldplay. <laughs> we love you, Coldplay. Beyonce I... loves Coldplay. No, keep them on. Keep them on. No.
Alright folks, this is where I get to riff for a little bit. Um, I don't know anything about the Super Bowl. I've never even watched a Super Bowl all the way through. Um, I've watched the halftime shows the morning after. Um, but lately, the halftime shows have sucked. I don't know if I don't know if that's a general consensus, but I don't think I've like a halftime so show since like J Lo. There hasn't been a good one since Lady Gaga. Yeah, no, Lady Gaga's was great, but after just bullshit. Justin yeah. Timberlake's was horrible. The one with the Adam Levine. The weekend was boring. The one with Adam. Oh, the weekend was okay. Nah. Yeah. It was okay. Well, they keep throwing like five artists in there. Mm. I think just pick one. Because they keep trying to be like the Bruno Mars year with Coldplay and J-Lo. And... Yeah. Well, actually, was it Bruno Mars year, the Beyonce one? That was good. That was cool. But the headliner was Coldplay. <laughs> we love you, Coldplay. Beyonce I... loves Coldplay. No, keep them on. Keep them on. Oh.